This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, where we talk TV every week. I'm James Manning. We welcome back my colleague, Andrew Mercado. Hi, Andrew. Hi, James. Lots of interesting things to talk about this week. We're going to look at a couple of things that are making some noise on Disney Plus, Pistol, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Amazon Prime offer this week The Boy, the third season. Andrew's found a couple of things coming to Binge and Foxtel I don't know much about. And um, The Midgewitch Cuckoos has just launched on Stan. So we'll be going to look at all those things, have a look at uh, Stranger Things as well. And we've got a special entry for the retro um, part of the program this week. Is it an Australian classic? Mm, there are connections. We'll we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. I, I thought we might start with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andrew, and it's it's making some headlines um, today that um, that nobody really wanted to see. What do you mean? I oh. haven't seen these headlines today. Oh, <laughs> Obi Wan, stop saying Obi Wan Kenobi. We all know what his surname is. Well, the, the, I did check this actual title of the show. I think is Obi Wan Kenobi. Is it really? Wow, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay, um, and, and it, like it comes up on the actual title when the show starts. And, but but anyway, uh, the um yeah. So the the Ewan McGregor has put out a um has put out a little video today about um, racist um, abuse that Moses Ingram has been receiving. Yes, I do know this. I I saw the thing from Ewan McGregor and I thought it was him talking about something wonderful for the show and I didn't click on it, but I am aware of the racist stuff that's been going on. So tell me what Ewan McGregor said. Yeah, well, look, he just um, looked like I think he was sitting in his car from... Uh, and he just said, look, there's there's no place for, for this sort of behaviour. If you're doing this, you're certainly not a um, a Star Wars fan. Um, wow, good on him. So, so, you know, he came out very strongly, The and that was sort of shared on the official Star Wars um, social media uh, platforms. Um, he seemed, like, quite a little bit of it, it seems that some of the fan base has decided to attack Moses Ingram online and send her the most horrendous, racist uh, direct messages. I heard some of them this morning. It just broke my heart. He talked about how um, she's a brilliant actor, a brilliant woman, uh, is amazing in the series. Um, We love Moses. Um, And and if you're sending her bullying messages, you're no Star Wars fan in my mind. There's no place for racism in this world, and I totally stand with Moses. Yeah, right. Good on him. He's yeah. always been by Ewan McGregor. Yeah, no, he has. He has, absolutely. Um, and um, th- this is this is now Disney Plus have called this the most watched premiere of an original series ever on the platform. I'm a little bit surprised that it's not the most watched full stop without, you well, know. Look, look, I agree. I, I stand corrected. You're right. It is called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've brought it up on my screen there in the background. Um, and I think it's the most watched because 
um, unlike a lot of the series that we've seen from the Star Wars universe, this is using two actors from the movie. It's mm. Ewan McGregor and it's Hayden Christensen coming back to their roles after 20 years. I think that's a bit of an extra draw card. I think that brings some people back to the Star Wars franchise, people like me that maybe aren't going to watch every single bit, but you know, actors like that arouse your curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm not I'm not questioning whether it's the most watched, but they say it's the most watched original series. I would have thought it'd be the most watched thing ever on Disney Plus. Maybe, yeah. you know, because it hasn't been up there a long time, I think that what it'll soon become the most watched thing ever, not just the most watched original series. I great to see Joel Edgerton in that first episode in a pretty significant role. So good because he's picking up on the same role that he played 20 years ago because those uh, three Star Wars movies were made in Sydney, if you remember, James. Yes. Fox Studios had just opened up and there was so much excitement about that. And, of course, some, if you remember, some tabloid photographer got into one of the high-rise apartments near Moore Park and trained his lenses in and, you know, had Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman smoking darts in their Star Wars <laughs> costumes. Geez, they never went out that the back of that studio again after that. But, yeah, those films, those films were received, I think, really well in Australia because they were filmed here. And I remember seeing George Lucas walking around uh, the entertainment complex at Fox at the time with his kids going to see films, just a, a regular guy. Um, but, you know, a lot of other Star Wars fans were disappointed and didn't think that they lived up to the original three movies. And I have seen that Ewan McGregor says he thinks it's great now because this TV series is putting him in contact with the children who grew up with this version of Star Wars. And they're not as picky and they don't necessarily prefer the movies from the 70s and the 80s. And he said it's great that those three movies are finally getting some respect now all these years later. Yeah, the... Um I saw a quote for him too, and he said, when this was first confirmed at what they were doing, he said, oh, at last I don't have to, I can stop lying about what, what's happening. He said for four years he's sort of been, um, you know, fiddling with the truth so he wouldn't reveal what was happening because there was a lot of expectation about how he would, you know, appear again. Would it be a movie? Would it be a TV right. series? And now we know, look, I'm not, I'm certainly not an expert on the whole Star Wars universe and all the the spin-offs and the movies, but I'm I'm believe this takes place ten years after the film Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, look, I think so, and I, I'll confess I've not yet watched it. Um, it's there. I am going to check it out because uh, I like you and McGregor. But yeah, look, I. I'm not one of those people that's got time to watch every Marvel series and now every Star Wars series or the Star Trek. I think it's great for those fans. If you're in for the franchise, um, the, the Star Wars fans, they seem to love The Mandalorian. It'll be really interesting when Obi-Wan Kenobi ends if people decide that it's better than The Mandalorian, which is held in pretty high uh, stead as being, I think, the best Star Wars TV series that's out there. They weren't too keen on that uh, Boba Fett one recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. The Mandalorian's done fantastic business. It's been um, right up there on any charts for um, 
as as the most watched thing in, in, in certainly um in the last couple of years. A couple of notes about the cast, another Aussie connection via New Zealand, if you like. Um Simone Castle is in the oh, um, yeah. the the series as well. She's great. I think she plays Jimmy Smith's wife. And right. and no spoilers, but they're they're very um crucial to the the as the plot unvelops in that first episode. I've watched the first episode. Another another um, person we love their acting our Rupert uh, friend is yep. in, is plays the um, plays the I think he's the Grand Inquisitor is his character uh, you, you'd never recognise him but um, of course his um, Homeland and more recently uh, Anatomy of a Scandal he yeah did some uh, great work there so look uh, Obi Wan Kenobi it's it's been a big um, a big time for Disney Plus because. Um, Another series that's getting a lot of publicity and, you know, I've been watching a bit coming out of the UK and um, Danny Boyle has been the director on this. It's Pistol. We've talked a little bit about in the past that we were looking forward to seeing it, but um, six episodes um, based on the Steve Jones book. They say, they don't say it's a faithful retelling, but it's, I think it's in, it says at the start, I think it says inspired by actual events. This series, well, as, you know, they can't. They can't. It's it's not a documentary. It's a drama. They always take some liberties with the truth. Um, it's interesting you say it's getting a lot of publicity because I've seen almost zero publicity about Pistol in Australia so far. But of course, this is a very uh, English story, and I know you're in the UK to go to that podcast conference and all that. So of course they'd be interested. And also Danny Boyle, like Danny Boyle, is one of the the the, the best directors of the last twenty years. I mean, ever since he exploded onto the scene with Train Spotting, although I had noticed him with Shallow Grave, the movie that he'd made before then, um, and so I went into Pistol expecting really, really big things because it's directed by Danny Boyle and it's written by an Aussie, Craig Pierce, who uh, writes all of Baz Luhrmann's movies. Uh, and I've got to say, I was a little bit, little bit let down by the first episode. It didn't seem to have that Danny oil pizzazz for me. I yeah. thought it picked up in the second episode when uh, Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious, those characters came into it. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it looked a bit washed out. The look of it was kind of, I guess it's got that washed out look to say, you know, England in the early, late 70s, early 80s was a bit of a washed out town, you know. I, I think that's what they're going for with the look of it. But I wasn't really a fan of that. I'm going to watch it, of course, because I'm interested in it because uh, from the music angle, I want to see a story of the Sex Pistols on screen. Um, but, yeah, I was just a little disappointed. Yeah, I've watched the first two episodes and, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. That first episode is a little bit flat in places and you're yeah. sort of wondering, hmm, okay, let's let's pick up the pace a little bit. But, you know, yeah. that, that that first episode focuses on um, Steve Jones, played by Toby Wallace, who I think was once in Neighbours. I don't know if you can Yeah, he was that. in Neighbours. He had a guest right. He was only there for a little while. He's yeah. probably better known. He was playing the young Michael Hutchins in In Excess, Terrace Apart, the In Excess miniseries, which you can still watch on 7 Plus. And he played a young Michael Hutchins before Luke Arnold took over the role. You know, I think he was also in the TV series for Romper Stomper that, that was yeah. uh, 
shown on Stan. But yes, I think he was. He's pretty good in this lead role, but he he almost gets too much screen time though in that first episode. It's it's really all about him. It's been interesting because Steve Jones in the UK has been doing a lot of the publicity too, and it's um interesting, really fascinating hearing him talking about it. Um, Have you picked who's playing Malcolm McLaren yet? What famous <laughs> Christmas movie he starred in as a little boy? Have you picked that? Thomas Brody Sangster. That's the little boy from Love Actually that Correct. stands at the door and does that beautiful uh, poem that he's written for the girl in his class. And now he's playing Malcolm McLaren. It's like, whoa, there's a boy that's grown up. Yeah, and, uh, and we... Um we talked about seeing him not that long ago in The Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Fantastic role in that. Um, and he's been doing a little bit of publicity too and he's he's talked about how he's he's always going to be remembered as the kid in love actually and his, yeah. great, his great quote was, but it doesn't help pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that first episode, James, I didn't even pick that that character was Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders. Like yeah. it wasn't made clear to me. It was only when I started uh, looking at the cast that I went, "What Chrissy Hines in this?" And then I suddenly, and then I went, "Oh, you're," you know. I just thought that first episode wasn't as explanatory as it could have been to help you figure that out, figure that stuff out. Yeah, for people outside, I mean, because there's there's a lot of people who the Sex Pistols just really doesn't mean much too, does it? I mean, it was a long time ago, right? It was, yeah. um, it was what, 77, I think that album came out. They yeah, started playing like 75, 76, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm old enough to remember that album. Um, it was a big deal. I mean, it really did. It really was a game changer, you know, that yeah. um, oh. it, it blew away the cobwebs of that sort of pomp rock, the Bands like Queen at the time, they went on stage. And, I mean, Queen weren't always cool. I mean, back in the day, they were seen, you know, and Pink Floyd and just seen, you know, bands that just went, did really long, endless guitar solos and were very self-indulgent. Um, the Sex Pistols was almost like a breath of fresh air, you know, just <laughs> smashed, <laughs> smashed everything, very angry. Uh- a breath of fresh air being spat at you. <laughs> you know, there's this great line on the documentary of the Dogs in Space movie, which is the Australian movie starring Michael Hutchins, and they talked to one of the uh, punk musicians that was in the real-life band that inspired the movie Dogs in Space. And it was around the time that Sean McHale's show Talking About Your Generation was on TV And this guy says on this uh, feature, he says, you know, fuck Sean McAuliffe and he's talking about your generation with Gen X and Gen Y and baby boomers. He said, you know, there's a group of us in between the baby boomers and the Gen X. And he said, we're the punk generation. And I was like, yeah, man, right on. So you and I, James, we are punk generation. We are not baby boomers. I'm going with that. The, the actual music of the Sex Pistols, too, doesn't really appear in that first episode. Oh. You don't get any flavour of what's to come, which, no. again, is is something else for, you know, that's maybe lacking. I mean, I get it for people in England 
have more um, understanding of the importance historically of the band. But for other people, I think they may have needed that hook about yeah. you know, the impact this band was to have. I mean, in that first episode, I mean, there's some good music, but but it's like it's um, T-Rex, it's uh, The Who, it's Pink Floyd, really setting the scene of what was dominating uh, the, the music industry at the time. Interesting, Craig Pierce is, is the writer, but he's also credited as the creator, which was oh. interesting. I, well, I actually was hoping we might have been able. I was a bit ambitious and wanted to try and get him on for the podcast, but um, yeah. maybe, you know, I'll reach out to Disney again, but they didn't really get back. And he, I haven't seen him doing any publicity for this so far. He's also listed as an executive producer, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether he's ever had an exec producer credit on a Baz Luhrmann movie, and he certainly worked on Elvis. Yeah. which is coming out in cinemas on June 23rd. He wrote that screenplay, so he's been a busy boy. Yeah, so maybe they're very busy, you know, fine-tuning Elvis or something or making sure that's that's okay to go because that's a, a very big investment for, um, for for Baz and Craig and all their sort of entourage who or what, go work from one movie to, to the next. But it's interesting, some of the cast, a um, guy called uh, Anson Boone plays Johnny Rotten, I think he's a relative newcomer, hasn't done a lot of stuff. Also, Paul Cook, another member of the band, played by Jacob Slater, again, relatively uh, newcomer. Vivian Westwood, played by Tallulah Riley, who's probably uh, best screen credit so far has been a role in Westwood. Uh, Westworld, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, she's playing Vivian Westwood. She's in right. Westworld, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chrissy Hind, a girl called uh, Sydney Chandler, know nothing about her. Only got a couple of, I think, relatively minor screen credits before this. She she is really good in that role. But yeah, they really oh, undersell the fact this is Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders. I mean, yeah. even in that second episode, there's you know Steve Jones asks her to help him with some guitar lessons, and you think, well, if you didn't know, you think, well, how does she know how to play guitar? What what what's her relationship? So that's not really explained. Her boyfriend is Nick Kent. I might have mentioned this. Um, at, at, at that stage of, of life was the famous NME journalist and he crops up in that first episode. I'm not sure yeah. if we see him again for the rest of the series. Um, Sid Vicious crops up a little bit. I don't think we see him in that first episode, but he, he crops up in the second series and there's some debate about whether he, whether he should enter the band. It's played by uh, Lewis Partridge. Yeah. The thing that interests a lot of people is though is what does John Lydon think about all of this? You know, of course, the the pivot pivotal character, the you know, who made all the headlines, you know, the the angry young man. Um let me guess uh, he's still angry. Yeah, but not as much as he was. He um he put out a statement, um, a bit of a disclaimer, and he admits, look. I had no involvement with this. And he said, I've been told not to post anything negative about the series. So he, he sort of made that plain and he's distanced himself, but he hasn't really shit canned it, you know. He's I, I think he's out of maybe some sort of respect for his for, for his other band members and maybe recognizing, look, they're going to get a bit of an earn out of this, and you know, he doesn't want to spoil that. Um, Danny Boyle said, look. He doesn't think John Rotten 
uh, or John Lydon, sorry, as he's he, go by what he's known as these days. He doesn't think he would ever endorse it, even if he liked it. He yeah. doesn't think he'd do that. Um, um, you left out one very important actor in this. Uh, she opens episode two. It's well, Maisie Williams. I was getting to from that. From Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what an entrance she makes at the start Woo-hoo! of the second episode. Wow. She, yeah. she almost takes over that episode, doesn't she? She sure does. Uh, so without giving too much away, let's just say she dresses in something that shocks a lot of old ladies uh, in the street as she rides her bike past and then gets on a train wearing this outfit and upsets everyone in the carriage so much that they move into a first-class compartment. It's very funny. It's a, And that to me is like when that uh, sequence happened in episode two, I was like, okay, I think this show's finally getting underway. Yeah, it's a bit of that Danny Boyle magic you mentioned about, you know, little things like that that, that really make the, the episode pop. Um, the interesting, the dedication at the very end of that second episode is to the real Jordan who passed away earlier this year. Yeah, and we're not talking about the page three Jordan model uh, that no. married Peter Andre. This was uh, a Jordan, pre-Jordan. Yeah, and just finally, maybe to John Lydon, he's actually uh, going to be touring Public Image Limited um, starting, I think, next week it starts, right right across the UK doing doing lots of dates. There's a, I would really love to go to this. He's doing an, an evening with John Lydon event in Glasgow, which That's would uh, be f- pretty fascinating. There's only one of them. Then all the other shows are actually concerts with uh, Public Image Limited. He's even got some NFTs he's selling, but he's not really cashing in because the money raised by these goes to uh, dementia and Alzheimer sufferers. And, of course, it's quite well known his wife is um, not very well these days and he's become pretty much a carer for her. I think they still live in Los Angeles. He moved there a long time ago. So when he's interviewed these days, he's often talking about, um, you know, living with dementia, Alzheimer's, and, um, you know, saying, you know, what good work is being done and a bit of a fundraiser too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm going to watch it all. I've watched the first two and I will uh, watch. There's six of them, I think. I'll be there watching it all. Now, look, I don't know much about this. Now, is it The Boys? The The Boys is the series on Amazon Prime, which is the send-up of superhero shows. You know, these are superheroes that behind the scenes are really bad, having sex and drug-fueled orgies. And there's a lot of talk around this third series, which is just dropping on Amazon Prime, because... uh, Jensen Ackles from Supernatural is joining the cast. Uh, Carl Urban's character is going to develop superheroes and there is apparently an orgy scene in it that has to be seen to be believed with uh, bits of people's anatomy doing things that have never been seen on screen before. So that's a pretty uh, uh, exciting tease for the boys, uh, which which I would say to you is one of the flagship shows on Amazon Prime now. I'm yet to watch it. Okay. Have you seen any of the first two seasons? I've watched a lot of the first series. I've lost track of it somewhere in the second series, but I'm definitely uh, curious about this third series. 
Okay. Oh, good. All right. Well, that's something for, for people to check out. I'll try and track that down too if I, I find some time. A um, couple of things coming up on Binge and Foxtel I'm going to get you to chat about. Now, the first one is, is it Irma Vep? Yeah, so this is just so bizarre. This is a uh, mini-series that is a remake of a French film from 1996. And the premise of the movie is that they are making a remake, so it's a movie within a movie, of a 1915 French silent crime serial. So in this series, a Hollywood actress played by Alicia Vikander, is that her name? Uh, She comes over to Paris to make this remake of this very well-known French serial called Les Vampire. Um, But it's not a vampire miniseries as such. They are cat thieves. And this actress, when they dress her in the cat suit, the first thing she does during costume fittings is she slips upstairs in character and steals somebody's credit card out of their bag. And she's also got an ex-girlfriend in town and I think there's an ex-boyfriend too. And it's all of this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff as she gets ready to make this movie and uh, there's a subplot going on with the director. It's very, very strange, but it's also quite fascinating. Um, So it's called Irma Vep. It's a new HBO miniseries. And it'll be interesting to see whether people get into it. It's certainly not another Emily in Paris. It's not one of those cliched things with girls giggling about how wonderful croissants are in Paris. There's none of that shit. It's got more of a call my agent sophistication about it in terms of the French film industry. Um, And, in fact, some people have been comparing it maybe to Francois Truffaut's Day for Night, that it could be a bit like that. So Irma Vep. If that sounds interesting, that'll be on uh, Foxtel and Binge soon. All right, yeah, it fascinates me. In my younger years, I was a Truffaut fan. I used to uh, faithfully go and track down all his movies. So, yeah, that sounds good. Now, what can you tell me about The Janes also coming soon on Foxtel and Binge? So this is a one-off documentary. It's about a group of women in Chicago. They were kind of being radicalised by the civil rights movement and the women's live movement in the late 60s. Chicago was a very Catholic town, a very mafia town. Abortions were being done by these backyard butchers. A lot of women were dying because of them. And this group of women decided hey, they were being underestimated, so they decided to open their own illegal abortion clinic and the code name for it was uh, if the phone rang, the woman would say, I need to speak to Jane. And what was different about this abortion clinic was that they did have one guy who was working there, but he taught the women how to do the abortions. So that meant that there was a lot more empathy and a lot more care with the process and women felt a lot safer being with other women, of course, in that situation. And then, of course, the inevitable happens. They get raided, but what happens next is also really interesting. And this documentary is so timely to think that this documentary ends up being about the Roe versus Wade decision which allowed abortion to happen in the US and that it's being talked about to be overturned in the US now makes this documentary more relevant than ever. I absolutely loved it. It's called The Janes. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, it sounds sounds really important. I think that's coming June 9. Yeah. I wanted to mention um, Stranger Things uh, dropped recently. I think there's nine episodes in Season 4. Seven yeah. are up now. There's two to drop in a few weeks' time to, to finish Ooh. it off. It's been a little while between since Season 3 and 4 for obvious reasons. Um, productions all around the world have, um, have been slowed and had their challenges. Now, this is a show where no, Winona Ryder gets the top billing, but it's really started life as an adventure. It seemed almost like a spin-off of things like E.T. Yeah. You know, a family-viewing sci-fi show, a group of kids, uh, Mike, Dustin, Will and Lucas. Um, one of them was kidnapped while they were out riding their bikes one day. There was a spooky character called Eleven, played by Millie Bobby Brown, um, and you know at, at, they were. There was a, like an adventure show. It was you know, it was nothing too scary, nothing too dark. But over the seasons, it's morphed into quite a dark horror franchise, if you like, and quite violent as well. Now this season four, and it's and I loved the first season. Enjoyed the second, thought it started to get a little bit, a little bit hokey towards the end. I didn't really tune into season three at all. I missed it. I felt obliged to go back and, you know, revisit season four. And I've got to say, well, <laughs> the start of that first episode, and I haven't seen much about this, but it it features the the death of a lot of young people. Now that's to me, it's dropped at a really I mean, that's bad at any time, but given what's happened in the US recently, it just seems very awkward. And I don't know, I just, it just, just put me off it, you know? It's just really, it, it, I mean, there's, there's a guy called Matthew Modine who's, um, along with Winona Ryder, was probably the highest profile actor in the series. He plays this sort of spooky scientist. They were sort of experimenting and, and studying the behaviour of children. And as a flashback, and a lot of kids die in this um, in the opening. That's sort of a it's almost a, a prequel to that first episode. And it's um I just didn't like it. I thought it was nasty. Um, but look, it's just so huge, this franchise. It's been the most watched thing on Netflix since it's dropped. Um, have you ever dipped into it? Oh, look, I watched, watched some of the first series and all that, but, you know, I, I thought it was more a kid's series, as you said, and I dropped out ages ago. I admit it's hugely, hugely popular. But, you know, you know, maybe the take-home message of what you're saying is maybe the Americans need to stop making so many violent uh, movies because, you know, we see this every time there is some sort of massacre, whether it's in a shopping centre or at a school, there's always some show on American TV that has to be pulled. This year it was, oh, FBI has an episode about stopping a school shooter. It's like, oh, so they're not going to screen it this week out of respect for the latest school shooting. It's like, how about not making shows about school shooting to begin with and stop putting it out there in pop culture all the time? I mean, there is just such non-stop, unending violence on American TV and in their society, I mean, you know, nothing is ever going to change there. Yeah, no, look, um, Stranger Things, I mean, yeah, I, I 
I don't know if I'm going to persevere. I, you know, I feel like I should be watching it, but but I just don't want to be supporting, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, um, as if my viewing is going to make any difference. But <laughs> I was going to say, how will they ever know? <laughs> no, but it will make me feel a little bit better if if <laughs> if nothing else. Look, let's um let's go back. Let's turn back the clock. Let's talk about some retro TV. We're actually not going back too far, and it doesn't seem that old. So what are we looking at today? Well, I want to talk about Pan Am, which is a TV series, American TV series, which you can watch now on 7 Plus. And they've put it up there and they're making a big deal about the fact that it stars Margot Robbie and Christina Ricci. And it's about air hostesses working for the Pan Am airline in the 60s. It was a show that started with millions of viewers in the US, but as the plots got sillier, the viewership dropped off and they cancelled it after one series. But it's interesting because that Pan Am logo, I see that on shirts and T-shirts all the time. It's right up there with NASA and Coke. And what's interesting about this TV series is two things for me concerning Margot Robbie. One is that she finished in Australia on the Friday in Neighbours, flew to Los Angeles and was almost immediately cast in Pan Am for NBC. But as I was researching all of this the other day, I discovered that in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the recent movie, Quentin Tarantino movie, in the scene where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is coming back from Italy on a Pan Am plane, that is Margot Robbie playing the Pan Am hostie. And I don't think you see her face. I think you only see her legs. I don't know, but I've watched that film a lot of times and never clocked that. So apparently she did it as a bit of an in-joke to the fact that she played a Pan Am air hostess before. So one to look out for, um, Pan Am. You can watch it now on 7 Plus. Yeah, so it's only 11 years old. um, Yeah. You know, it was 14 episodes. There's a little... There's not many other people in the cast I recognise, but there's a link with Stranger Things that David Harbour is in the series, um, a reasonably sort of prominent role. He plays Chief Jim Hopper um, yeah. in uh, Stranger Things. There was some talk about uh, someone else picking it up to make another series because it ended up becoming hugely popular in Europe. Uh, you know, probably if it, we'd been in the environment today, you would have seen a second season get snapped up by a streaming company somewhere, but it wasn't the case. that There's only one season of it. Yeah, you mentioned the logo is very cool these days and um, very cool. that retro, you know, that, um, that, that sort of that, that golden era of flying, if you like it. I think yeah. Pan Am did fly to Australia for a while. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much, but I'm pretty sure that, that it was um, people used to be able to fly Pan Am out of Australia. Um, the rights to the company, I believe, are owned by a railway company these days, and there's a Pan Am railway somewhere in the US. And oh, wow. I think the series was actually made by Sony uh, television, and they had to license the name from the railway company. So, wow, another little bit of trivia. Look, that just about wraps it up today. I'm, I wanted to talk about Midwich Cuckoos, but there was no press screen available, and it's only just dropped on Stan. Have you looked at the first episode yet? I watched the first episode today. It is terrific. So you yeah. watch it. 
and we'll reconvene here in a week's time and uh, talk about it. You're going to love it, uh, James. Keely Hawes oh. is going to be our third favourite British actress after Suram Jones and Maxine Peake. She's so good in this. I can't wait to hear what you think about it next week. Oh, yeah, well, great. I'm really looking forward to that because I think she already was up there, wasn't she, for us? I mean, Finding Alice, the Durrell, yeah. probably yeah. one of her biggest roles, uh, Bodyguard, The Missing, Line of Duty, and that's just the that's just the big pillar programs. Her CV, there's a whole lot of stuff, but, yeah. again, when she turns up in a show, it just gives it that stamp of something classy, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. Something else I'm looking forward to I might leave you with this week is uh, a new series of Borgen. Um, it's being remade for, I think it's Netflix. It's going to drop on Netflix possibly the, in the next couple of the days after we record this. So I'm looking forward to that. And I might mention that last week. And it was one of the shows that opened the way for, um, Scandinavian dramas, you know, a, a lot of people started getting into them and it's still an area I'd, I wish I had the time to explore more because everything I've watched Scandi has always been really good. So um, yeah. I'm looking forward to this and, again, I, I would like to be watching more. So anything else you've got on your sort of viewing radar? Oh, look, I've just discovered something amazing uh, from the vault that's dropped onto iView. We'll talk about it next week. I'll just give you one clue, Michael Parkinson. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, fascinating. Okay, Dave. Look, uh, Andrew Mercado, you can read him every Friday in Media Week. He's Mercado on TV column. That's in our daily newsletter, The Morning Report. It's also available on our website. Um, Andrew, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, James. Have a great week.